I'm Lillian Vasquez with Lifestyles on KVCR. Thank you for listening. On today's show, I'll speak with radio and television host, author, and travel expert Rick Steves. He has a new six-part miniseries airing on KVCR-TV, Rick Steves' Art of Europe, which looks at the entire span of European art history beginning in prehistoric Europe, Egypt, and ancient Greece. Rick shares his experience shooting with a three-man crew all over Europe, capturing the stories of Europe's art and architecture. He shares why it was important to him to create the series and his desire to encourage viewers to travel and to appreciate art. Rick shares details about some of his favorite pieces. Here's my conversation with radio and television host Rick Steves. Welcome and great to have you back on Lifestyles. Nice to be with you. Thanks, Lillian. So last time we were together, we talked about your book, For the Love of Europe, and now you have a new six-part miniseries, Rick Steves' Art of Europe. For years, you've traveled intensively throughout Europe and beyond, featuring quaint cafes, taverns, architecture, historical sites. Were you taking mental photos of the art along the way? Tell me what's featured in the series and any highlights. Well, thank you. And yes, I was thinking about it all the time for like 20 years. In fact, it just occurred to me back in my 20s, I was giving lectures long before I had a TV show. And um, I, I gave these how to travel lectures on a six hours on a Saturday. And then I started giving the follow up six hours on the Sunday would be the art talk art for travelers back when I was a, a student. And it's just to me, um, of course, you got to know how to pack light and catch the train and find a hotel. But really, you're going there to understand your sightseeing. And uh, it's just been my joy for years of splicing in a little bit of art appreciation into our Rick Steves Europe TV series. You know, we've got a hundred and some episodes covering Europe. But over that time, I've been able to film in the greatest spots in Europe for art, the greatest galleries, the greatest palaces, the greatest buildings. And I thought, we got to weave this together and uh, offer a mini series. So for the last two years, that's been our mission. We have been working on telling the story of the art of Europe. That's the name of the series, Rick Steves' Art of Europe. And I gave myself a tight limit. I'm not Ken Burns, so I can't go as long <laughs> as I want. And I just also believe there's something good to be said about, you know, making it's a discipline to get it really tight. So we distilled it down into a six hour mini series. And it was so much fun. And about, you know, half of the footage was stuff that we had shot over the years and uh, with just glorious high definition footage. And some of the places we can't get into anymore because they've tightened up security. So we were all alone with Leonardo's Last Supper and all alone and with Mona Lisa and all alone with Michelangelo's David. And thank goodness we had all of that in the can. And then in the last year, we've traveled with the crew in all the great art capitals. I think in this order, we went to Florence, Rome, Athens, London, Paris, Bruges, Madrid, and Vienna. And uh, we got to shoot in some beautiful spots. And uh, it's just so exciting to have it into this six-hour package. Which is really not probably long enough, but it is, like you said, what you allowed yourself. Did you feature the iconic art or maybe some less-known pieces? Uh, that's a good question. We wanted to feature the iconic art because people can relate to it. So, you know, we've got Michelangelo's David and Mona Lisa and uh, the thinker and that kind of stuff. But that's you got to have that because, you know, people are not going to go to Paris and not see the Eiffel Tower. But also we've got exposing people to new art, whether new artists or new ages that you wouldn't appreciate otherwise. Uh, the Pre-Raphaelites are just 
sumptuous and Art Nouveau and uh, Gustav Klimt and uh, uh, El Greco. There's so much to do. And, and a lot of it ended up on the cutting room floor. We Our, our initial write of the scripts was twice as long as we had time for, you know, and, uh, but that was a good discipline, as I said, and, you know, people, you could spend a whole college career learning about this stuff and just scratch the surface. So we're not covering anything thoroughly, but we are exposing smart people that don't know the difference between Gothic and Romanesque to this great art. And uh, I'm more of a tour guide than an art scholar. And I think I've been able to employ the experience I've had from 30 years of taking people around Europe on my tour buses to make the art fun and meaningful. As a tour guide, I have a pretty good sense of how many Madonnas and children a mortal tourist can look at without their eyes glazing over and they'd rather skip out, you know. And uh, that's important to be mindful of that. Yeah, that's no joke. And the hardest part is editing down and cutting out and what you have to leave out. But then I sometimes find that when I play the whole thing, oh, it's okay. I didn't miss what I had to cut out, but it is still hard to do it. It's heartbreaking. In fact, just yesterday I was talking with my editor and we're going to sweep up all the things, the little bits that I love that ended up on the cutting room floor. And we'll have that as the modern day equivalent of a DVD extra, you know. Uh, But one thing we did in a very calculated way from the start was not clutter up the script with a lot of dates and names that don't really matter. Um, It's good to know those names and dates. And in the show, at the end, we say very clearly, if you want the uh, identities and dates and names of all the art we show here, uh, and if you want to know uh, any sort of insights to the travel specifics, if you go to our website, we have the script. And then in each paragraph or sequence, in hard brackets, we have a list of everything that shows during that little bit of the show because uh, the school teachers will use this series and they'll want to know exactly which Jato was that and what year was was this and so on. So you'd, wouldn't, you're, you'd bore people if you put that into the script, yeah, but it's but important it, to have that available. Let me reintroduce my guest is public television and public radio host, author, writer, and lifelong traveler, Rick Steves. Let me ask, have you always enjoyed or collected art yourself? No, I have not always enjoyed art. In fact, when I was a kid, I remember in the cafeteria gathering with my friends at the dorm, uh, we'd have play a game of, we'd look at the class catalog and we'd say, what's the most boring class that you'd never take? And I remember thinking European art history, who would find that interesting? Of course, that was before I had the opportunity to be exposed to all of that with great guides and great professors. And now my passion has been to explain to people how fun and rewarding it is to enjoy the art. I mean, when you're in Rome, (laughs) you go to the Pantheon, you're going to go to the Pantheon because it's the greatest building standing from ancient Rome. You step into that amazing Pantheon, which is a temple to all the gods, Pantheon, and you are stepping into the the splendor and, and the exquisite beauty of what Rome could do. And you see this logical sort of design. It's a ball within a cube, okay? It's 140 feet wide, 140 feet tall, with a beautiful oculus skylight on the top that lets the sun shine through. And you're just surrounded by this Roman beauty. And then you step out into the portico and you've got a dozen or so one-piece granite columns, 50 tons each. And as a tour guide for years, I've demonstrated how big they are by getting four tourists to gather together and put their arms around that to hug that thing. It takes four tourists. And uh, you remind people, this was quarried in Egypt, 50 tons, 2,000 years ago, put on a big rowboat, essentially, and rowed all the way to Rome, and then brought to that square in Rome and assembled with its sisters there in the portico. 
And today, 2,000 years later, we step in. And today, we don't know what those pagans thought when the sun was shining in and they had all their mythical gods there, but we can still feel the wonder of that sunbeam coming through, thinking this is connecting us with the heavens. To know a little bit about that makes that experience so much more rewarding. And uh, a lot of people say, how can I get a discount on the ticket to this or that? Well, we'll all pay the same. But if you understand what you're looking at, you'll enjoy it five times as much. Absolutely. When there's background knowledge to something, it means that much more. Now, travel has always been your passion for years from when you were first exposed as a young kid with your parents. What later in life made you think you could host a TV travel show? Well, I've always taught what I love. I've only had one other job, and that was as a piano teacher. And I love teaching piano. And the moms would bring their kids in, and they'd have tear-stained cheeks, and they just wanted to play the pop stuff and the boogie-woogie. And I'd go, that's okay, but we're going to get you into Bach and Beethoven and Mozart before you know it. And I was able to do that because you can inspire people to open up to great culture. And uh, as far as traveling goes, you know, my parents took me to Europe when I was 14 years old to see the piano factories because my dad was a piano tuner and he started importing the best pianos in the world from Germany to the Seattle area where I've always lived. And uh, I went over there to see the piano factories and their relatives in Norway and uh, didn't want to go, but I had to go because my parents were taking me. And it occurred to me, you know, this is not that bad. And I started traveling on my own. As a piano teacher's kids wouldn't practice in the summer. I'm going to go to Europe. I'll see in September. And I started really learning how to travel well. And it was clear to me, other people were making the same mistakes I had made. And if I could just package the lessons I've learned from my experience into a book or a talk or something, people could learn from my experience rather than their own have a better trip. And that's what I've been doing for 40 years. And now I've got a staff of 100 colleagues here that are just so driven by the same mission I am is just to inspire Americans to venture beyond Las Vegas and Disney World, you know, nothing wrong with those places. But after three or four trips, you could try Portugal. And uh, I'm doing the same thing with technology beyond my wildest dreams to amplify my teaching. So for me as a tour guide and a teacher and, a, and somebody who really cares about uh, the value of travel to help Americans open up to the wonders of our world and to let history and art be sort of a time tunnel experience and take us back to the past so we can better understand from where we've come, where we are and where we're going. Uh, it's a very gratifying work. It's my niche. I love teaching. And for me, I've always wanted to distill this art into a sweeping six-hour story. Uh, and, you know, when I was a kid, I was inspired by the iconic Civilization series by Kenneth Clark. It was the go-to art series on public television back in the 70s. And uh, it was very stodgy and very sophisticated and very British, you know. And um, I could suffer through it, and I really loved it. It's brilliant. But we needed something a little snappier today. And uh, we've done that. It was a leap of faith to think that we could do it. And I got to say, the story is fascinating. It's flat out beautiful to see the greatest art in, in European history. There's so many oh wow moments. And there's there's so many just eurekas. You know, what is, oh, impressionism. You know, it's no longer the physical subject. If you see the front of a church and you paint it, Monet was not painting the church. The church was a rack upon which he hung the light and the color and the shadow. And he would paint the same church from the same angle at three different times of day. And it'd be three different paintings as far as he was concerned, because he's analyzing the light and the color and the shadow. That's impressionism. That's a radical break. It kind of coincided with the advent of the camera that can do photographic reality. But it was more than that. And then the impressionists, if you look up really close, you just see different colors dabbed together side by side. They no longer mix it on their palette, but they dab it there. And if you look up close, you can't really understand what you're supposed to see. But when you step back, voila, 
and it's just vibrant and it's just so carbonated. And to be able to appreciate Impressionism and to understand, you know, what a radical break it was from the status quo and how it freed artists to be so much more creative and how it opened the way to abstract art, that's pretty exciting. And for me to be able to explain that, as I did just in a minute, we talked for just a minute about Impressionism, just for a minute about the Pantheon, to be able to lace that together into six hours of these and to have a cohesive flow, it works. And I got to say, I'm so thankful that we've got public broadcasting as an oasis in our media environment where somebody like me who's passionate about something can produce something of value and assume an attention span and respect people's intelligence and not dumb it down and be driven not by a passion for keeping advertisers happy because advertisers don't matter because we're public funded uh, and to be driven just by a passion for inspiring people to reach out and embrace the world in all its beauty and diversity. <laughs> That's a beautiful, very rewarding thing. Thank goodness we are public funded for the very reasons that you just listed. I want to talk about the series. In the series, you cover European art from the Stone Age to modern age. Is there an era that you that you most gravitate to or make sure you get in there or talk about? Probably the Renaissance, because that was the hinge point between old and new, between medieval and modern. And the Renaissance is all about humanism. And I really like humanism. Humanism, 500 years ago, was, remember, in the Middle Ages, it was all about God. What's going to happen after we die? Humanism is man asserting himself. And it's not a repudiation of God. It is an understanding that the best way to glorify God is not to bow down in church all day long, but it's to recognize the skills and the talents and the energy God gives us, and then to use it with all your creativity in order to make the world a better place and to live a more fulfilling life. That's a beautiful thing. And when we look into the eyes of David, everybody probably knows Michelangelo's David. Then, of course, the Bible story is it's a shepherd that's getting ready to kill the giant with his slingshot. From a local pride and political point of view, David represented Florence overcoming its bully, crude, giant neighboring city-states that they were always fighting. So that's why they paid Michelangelo to do it. And Michelangelo was making a statement of, this is humanism. David is sussing up the giant, but he's also looking at the Middle Ages and saying, yeah, I can take the Middle Ages too. We can step beyond that. We can get beyond the darkness and the superstition and the goofiness of the Middle Ages. And we can now make life better. We can now be smart. We can grapple with challenges because we are capable. And that kind of confidence kicked off the modern age. And to be able to explain that and show that and have people look into the eyes of David and see the birth of the modern world, man, that is exciting. So to answer your question, I think the uh, Renaissance is probably the most exciting. You're listening to Life Sales on KVCR. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, I'll continue my conversation with radio and television host, author, and travel expert, Rick Steves. I'm Lillian Vasquez. We'll be right back. Stay with us. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking with radio and television host, author, and travel expert, Rick Steves. His new television miniseries is Rick Steves' Art of Europe. Now, you've been shooting your travel show for years. You and your crew must have it down to a science. We do. And I've got <laughs> the same crew that I've had for 30 years. Amazing. It's, talk about a blessing. You know, I've got Simon Griffith, who's my producer, 
And I can't imagine going to Europe without Simon. He's been with me for every minute of our footage for 30 years. And uh, he cares so much. And he's so good. And he's so strong and hardworking. He's a combination of a philosopher and a writer and a, and a mule and an ox. And he just does it all. We wear a lot of hats because there's just three of us in our crew. There's me, I write the script and I'm the host. And Carl is our lead photographer. So we have three of us in the crew. And then we usually have one of our local guides helping us out in each town. I've learned we produce more when we have our local guide who speaks the language and is well-connected in that town. Uh, but uh, we can turn on a dime. We're all driven by the same mission. Why was this series important to you to create? For 30 years, I've been a tour guide and I've developed a knack for teaching the art. And I've developed an understanding of what smart, caring people know and how steep they are in the learning curve. And I just thought, I know from my own story, how you can write off art as just not important, or you can be made aware of this is how we learn about who we are and from where we came and where we're going. It's and it's genius. And you gain an appreciation of a genius 500 years ago would be a genius today. And to, to understand this creative genius is so cool. And um, I have the opportunity through public television to share this, what I think is important. I have the crew and I've got a chance to inspire Americans to better appreciate art. And I don't think there's anything out there now that does this. This is immodest, I suppose, but I would love to be this generation's opportunity to get all excited about art. I mean, we go into a studio in Florence and uh, we meet a sculptor and he demonstrates for our camera how they take a raw piece of marble and then go through the whole process with a, uh, making a mold out of clay and then using a pointer to transfer that onto the marble and then the big chisel and the little chisel and the rasp and the sandpaper. The same process that ancient Romans used was used by Rodin 150 years ago. And um, it's fun to demonstrate that, to go into a painter's studio and see them mixing egg yolk into paint and doing the old fashioned tempura paint, and then see how much better it is when you have vegetable oil and make oil paints. <laughs> I didn't know about that. And now we've demonstrated it. It's really fun. And then I got to have the fun of um, demonstrating on the piano, how music can be oh. Bernini for your ears. So I would say, you know, Bach, Handel, Scarlatti, they were all born in the same year, 1685. This was the Baroque age. And if you listen to Bach, it's like Bernini for your ears. And I go, boom, 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 boom. And you have the interwoven melodies and you have the trills. And then I say, you know, if you're going to play Baroque music, you should have ruffles on your sleeves. Um, <laughs> so that's a little bit that that's just a fun dimension of art. Let me ask two more things, specifically the fact that we it's on public television, that means you have an audience that cares about what you're putting out, that cares, it trusts public television, right? It's one of the most trusted networks around. So right. the responsibility of getting it right and accurate definitely yeah. falls on mm -hmm. you and your crew. Yeah. And the danger for me, because I'm a tour guide, is a lot of what I've learned is from other tour guides. And that's recycled information and it's not vetted and it's not scholarly, but it's fun. I mean, tour guides are entertainers, you know, but I was very, very careful, spent a lot of time and a lot of money having college professors from three different colleges vet our script and help me out. And it was huge. And um, I wouldn't have done it without having scholars look at it. So is it a series for art lovers or history lovers or both or anyone? Yes. <laughs> My producer, Simon, he gives it what we call the Joe Sixpack test. 
because you know there's a lot of people that have not learned about art and they're smart people and they're into all sorts of stuff and uh, he's the one that goes wait a minute you just said this that and this i don't know what any of those things mean you know let's make it meaningful so i wanted to be really careful that anybody can watch this i know from my own experience as a tour guide a lot of times i've got 20 people on my bus and it's 10 couples and and half of the couples, the mom or the the wife or the woman wanted to go to Europe and the, and the husband's going, dragging them right, along. Yeah. All right. And they're <laughs> yeah. dragged along and, you know, like here's another Madonna and child. So I, I want it to be accessible. We have an ethic where we don't include anything in our TV shows, whether it's my regular shows or this art series that our viewers can't do also, or our viewers can't see also. So I will never show something. When I was at Anne Frank's, they said, hey, we'll take you to a special room that none of the public gets to see it's worthless to me because I'm shooting something that'll be brought home. And next year, people will be either reading about it in my Rick Steves guidebook, or they'll be watching it on a Rick Steves TV show. And it's got to be a value to my travelers because deep down inside, I'm still wanting to help people actually do it themselves. But I've long since learned that there are a lot of people that for whatever reason, won't be going to Europe. And public broadcasting is their next best thing to a plane ticket. And if I can take them into the museum in Madrid, where Picasso's Guernica hangs, that's this amazing 25 foot wide mural created in the 1930s during Spain's civil war, when Hitler got to test out his air force ability to drop bombs and have the first history's first aero bombardment and destroy a town called Guernica to help out his fascist buddy Franco in Spain fight and win the civil war. To be able to go to Spain and film that and then explain it and talk about what Picasso was trying to do. And you see the, the mother with her dead child, a modern Pieta. You see the bull, the symbol of Spain and the strength and the courage of Spain looking up at heavens going, why? And all the chaos created by the bombing, that first aerial bombardment. And you realize, wow, Picasso was putting a human face on what we call collateral damage. He was humanizing. The, the tragedy of war for innocent victims, collateral damage, what a, what a phrase, you know, innocent people being killed. That was powerful. And that's the, the most powerful piece of art in 20th century Europe. But I spent one minute now explaining that. Now you could look at Guernica and you see the context. And for me as a tour guide, it's kind of common sense. You got to get the wide establishing shot from a TV production point of view, as you might know, or uh, just the context from a teaching point of view or a tour guiding point of view. And then people go, oh, I get it. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, a light bulb kind of goes on when they have that. And I just want to say, when I was in Europe, a few times that I've been there, you know, having you as a tour guide in my ear just feels very comfortable if it's you telling me or if you're on your podcast and you're explaining it while you're touring the place, that it's a trusted element to wow. my tour because it's you telling me the story. Thank you so much for saying that because this last year I've been working very hard to update my app, which is called Rick Steves Audio Europe. <laughs> it's totally free and it's got 60 guided tours. Yes. The 60 most important artistic and historic experiences, the walks, the historic walks, you know, and people put, put me in their ears and thousands of people like you are going around Europe and I'm their buddy. Yeah. And look over there. And, look over there. and when you step around, or if the, if the statue hopped off this, the pedestal and turned around and, and walked 10 steps, he would find, you know, this. And you do that and you go, well, there it is. Um, 
And I just love that. So um, I've been updating that. And that's a part of our spirit of teaching is just uh, get it right and help people travel better. And it, it's rewarding to be able to do that. Okay, so what's next? It seems you never slow down, except for maybe during the pandemic, but you never seem to slow down. What's next on your on your list? Well, the pandemic was actually quite timely because I had my crew and I, I as a matter of principle, as an employer, I kept my 100 staff employed, even though we had no revenue. And that was expensive for a couple of years. But uh, thank God we're up and running again now and we're busy. But I'm glad that I was able to keep my staff together. But our TV crew was certainly busy right through the pandemic working on this major project of ours, this six-hour miniseries that we're talking about today. Up next, we had we had scripts for Poland and Iceland that we had the shoot scheduled, the permissions and everything ready to go, and then COVID hit. And we really want to get back to Iceland uh, and Poland to make uh, four half-hour shows. I would love to do uh, cuisine in uh, Italy shows. We wrote a book about Italian food over the uh, pandemic, and it's, I'm very excited about that. Everybody loves Italian food. I certainly do. And then uh, a dream of mine would be when, when Ukraine wins the war and it's starting to rebuild, to be able to go there with our crew and do a one-hour special on what is Ukraine? What is the culture? How are, why are these people fighting so hard for their motherland? And it would be a beautiful hour. And... Um, and that's something I'd just like we did an hour on Iran and we did an hour on the Holy Land. We've done a lot of specials on, on important areas. We did an hour on, on hunger and hope, lessons learned from Guatemala and Ethiopia. And all of this is aired on public television. All of my shows are still in rights on public television. So they do air occasionally and people can dream them anytime for free on my website. Everything we've ever produced is available just for a click away. But right now we're just kind of celebrating the fact that we've uh, finished our art series on time. It was it was pedal to the metal for the last year. I mean, it was and it all it all fell into place. And um, it's so great to be able to talk about it and celebrate it and hope that people enjoy it. Well, thank you so much. You know, Rick, I do want to comment one thing. You do have a tie into Southern California in that you were born in Barstow, right? <laughs> Barstow. I guess that's the stop off on the way to Las Vegas. Yes. <laughs> so there is a tie into Southern California. <laughs> so, my dad was in the army in uh, Camp Fort Irwin, I think it's called. So I was registered in Barstow, but I was a Californian for about two months. And then oh, back okay, to okay. My family's there's, been for. There's for still a years. slight tie into Southern California. Rick. On my passport, it says California. Okay. And, uh, and I just am very happy to be able to have that connection. And it's uh, really nice to, to know that uh, travelers in Southern California are just able to watch the show and uh, get some tips and go over there and turn their travel dreams into smooth and affordable and meaningful reality. And we get to hear you every Sunday uh, on public radio. So we've got you all over the place here in Southern California. Rick, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Lillian, I've enjoyed every minute and uh, happy travels to you and your uh, listeners and viewers. Rick Steves' Art of Europe airs Mondays at 6.30 on KVCR-TV. To learn more, visit our website at kvcrnews.org lifestyles and click on today's show. That's our show for this week. To hear any of our past shows, visit our website at kvcrnews.org lifestyles. You can also listen to Lifestyles on your favorite streaming service. Search for Lifestyles with Lillian Vasquez and take the show on the go. Lifestyles is on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us at 919 Lifestyles and search for Lifestyles with Lillian on Instagram. 
If you have segment ideas you'd like to hear on Lifestyles, please submit your ideas. Go to kvcrnews.org lifestyles and click on the Have an Idea for a Show link. Thanks to all who helped to make this show possible, including Sharina Wad, David Fleming, Sean Houlihan, Natasha Coles, and our executive producer, Rick Dulock. Our theme music is provided by Ethan Bortnick. Join me next week at the same time for Lifestyles with me, Lillian Vasquez. Bye for now. Yeah.